0: The show where every week we like to give you our freshest takes on the freshest things And not movies that were released almost two decades ago Never, never Um, I'm Ernest Calderon
1: I am Hunter Mobley And I'm Drew Dietzen And I'm I'm gonna try to keep my mind on the catch-up we're doing now But all I can think about is Keeble
0: Yeah, yeah, so I think um, the way we'll do it is you will be hearing a commentary track of Max Keeble's Big Move in a couple of days. And this will be out um, today because you're listening to it right now. <laughs> yeah. So we got, we got a lot of things to catch up on, a lot of TV. We're in the thralls of TV. We'll have a bonus episode as well, also on this feed, of Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode Ooh. 1.
2: Yep, we're going to do that every episode. Yeah, post-episode
0: six... uh, reaction.
2: Get ready for us to get ready to hear a lot of like um, that one dude with the beard with a silly name. Yeah.
0: And yeah. That's that's why I won't be there. <laughs> well, you could be there and just talk shit the whole even time. That could be better. No, mm. what you'll do
2: is we'll like cut the mics and then you'll sneak in and be like, hey guys, here's Drew after dark. Yeah. Here. <laughs> We're going to do some obscure comedy corner. How
0: does
1: this play into Max Keeble?
0: I want to I do another quick uh, trailer gauge. Oh, yeah. Star Wars 9. Mm. Did you guys checked the trailer? Yeah, uh,
1: I didn't watch it. Not, uh, you know, I mean, I'm on the record. I'm not interested
0: in it, <laughs> but I've, I've heard that it's a great trailer, and it looks, like, promising. It raises a lot of questions um, that I'm not sure are the appropriate questions that you want going into what's supposed to be the final chapter of this whole thing.
2: Well, it kind of, my biggest thing, and even with the name, The Rise of Skywalker kind of just seems like they're retconning everything that uh Mm -hmm. at least that's what they want us to think which yes I mean that's what
0: the the trailer is selling they
2: always they've been massive misleading for the first two Star Wars so I guess we should know that it'll probably happen again but I'm gonna be so like upset if we just like if they try and just like change it be like actually you are someone special Ray. don't remember what happened (laughs) last time and like
0: what if she's Palpatine's Long lost force daughter.
2: Yeah, we we hear a little bit of Palpatine. You hear the Palpatine cackle. I don't. So. I
0: don't. I don't want to picture the Emperor uh, reproducing and having offspring. Okay, that's well, a, oh, he don't that's you know? A speak, for speak for yourself. Image. Speak for yourself. Conjure. I would rather him do what happened with Anakin's mom. How she was like basically the son of some force god. Yeah, virgin mother. I
1: mean, basically, they're they're in hot water either way at this point because ryan johnson of course selfishly decided to forego the lore of star wars and make a good movie instead (laughs) uh which really upset the fan base really pissed a lot of people Mm -hmm. off Mm -hmm. because they were like no it's not supposed to be this good um (laughs) but uh yeah i mean i guess it, honestly if i was very invested in the lore i, I might be eff- like colin ex- friend of the pod explained to me why people were upset and i it it makes sense that you know he kind of just kind of trashed some shit that happened in force awakens kind of right um so at this point it's like are they gonna lean into what he said well or I, are they going to kind of like be like
2: hey guys sorry that's why i almost wondered that uh Maybe this is kind of hurting the brand of Star Wars as a whole that they don't have a George Lucas behind the helms like for these movies. That's kind of just or a been, Kevin it's been, Feige. Yeah, it's been like a JJ story, and then Ryan Johnson will come back in. People don't like Ryan Johnson. We got to get JJ back in here to like clean up the mess. Yeah. And like I know that they're going to have um, these new Star Wars spinoffs. They're saying they're going to take a break after Episode Nine. I'll believe that when I see it. We're I know still that they the already Disney have plus the Mandalorian. Shows. Yeah. And yeah, they already have all these other things. So I don't know how much, maybe like a year off or something. I don't think it's going to be that much of a break.
0: I will say, I thought the trailer looked good. Like, the look of it, yeah. the tone. J.J. is so Ray good at capturing. Out the,
2: bust out the lightsaber, does a little back flippy. Yeah, and just, just the neat.
0: aesthetic of it. Like, you can tell that J.J. just has this love for Star Wars. I mean, you could say force awakens is the greatest fan film ever made yeah <laughs> and going into the final episode of of course i'm worried about you know trying to go back and pander to the nostalgia of it all that doesn't seem like a wise decision but i trust jj i force awakens is a fucking great JJ movie. jj
2: knows how to make a good movie like that's just kind of what he does is he gets like at least the feel mm-hmm. of yeah. something. yeah the down king
0: of the seven right? yeah. yeah like he's <laughs>
2: But, I mean I, I'm being mean, I I think that this is going to be good. I, I already saw Leia in the trailer. I tear up a little bit. Yep. yep. That's going to – I know that I'm going to be a wreck in the theater whenever this happens, so I just – I'm. It, it was what it was. I'm glad that we at least have a title now since we were going into, like – I'm Whatever. I'm what, so like, whatever about the title. I, yeah, it, I don't know. Sky-
0: the Rise of Skywalker. No,
2: like, I don't care about the title, but I'm just glad there is a title yeah. since we're now, like, eight months out and people are like, hey – What's the movie what, called? What's this movie called? Just Ep9. There is
0: one theory floating around that Skywalker is going to be the new name of Jedi and that Skywalker is just going to be the mantle that the heroes take on moving forward. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Skywalker. We're all Skywalkers. Skywalker. Yeah, what? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it could work yeah, if, I they, mean, if yeah. they
1: do it right. It could. On, I was thinking about it the other day. I think I'm stealing this from another pod, but Luke the name Skywalker is like bad, like it's yeah. it's like a it sounds like a B movie character name to be like uh yeah he he flies a spaceship uh Luke
0: Skywalker that's his name and the movie's Star Wars the original name was Star Killer whoa which is what JJ borrowed for the big killer base
2: yeah uh oh there is speaking of that we see the remains of a Death Star or Star Killer base or yeah, something I don't know. I don't know. It seems JJ like we're revisiting a lot of the same planets, yeah. at least from uh we So we'll,
0: we'll see it. I'm going to see it, so we'll see. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get to catch up. Drew, why don't you start us off? Well, yeah, we all need to talk about the first two episodes of
1: Barry. Okay. Uh, on HBO. Uh we'll we'll get a little spoilery. I guess yeah. we we'll put up a bumper when yeah, we do that. Yeah, skip
0: skip forward or yeah. do, should we do some spoiler-free thoughts? Yeah, yeah,
1: really quick cuz we we last week we talked about how, you know, we all recommend the show. I I encourage anyone who's hesitant after 3 or 4 reps, just keep going, keep trucking, finish the season. Um, you know, what is your time valuable? Well, really, no, it's not.
2: Really once you hit ep 4 in season 1 of Barry, you're like, okay, I'm all in. Yeah,
1: you should be in at that point. But even if you're not, just finish the season and so with season two season one ends on a very like big note a very heavy note that leaves everything in question about like what's going to happen in the future great cliffhanger season two uh picks up like immediately with the exact same energy of the best episodes of season one um in every single way like i fell in love with the show all over again immediately uh they they there it's a well-oiled machine already like early in the season two it's already like boom uh this show has itself figured out on every level i think um so not to uh, like i want to get into why this is because i like comparing things to other things mm-hmm. uh it makes me seem smart right 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 <laughs> my <laughs> my Which girlfriend allison's her impression of me is like and did you see how like this was influenced by this other thing and perhaps like the beatles <laughs> perhaps are in there anyway i want to joseph talk, campbell so i there are two different comparisons with this show and i want to tell you why it's better than either comparison so the first comparison that you can make is all these this new uh offspring of apatow comedy series that have this like darker color palette uh and they're comedic uh but in a more improvised way uh so i'm thinking like girls like love like crashing uh, yeah any of yeah. these shows this first of all Barry is better than that because it's not afraid to actually swing comedically. Like the comedy bits in this are like kind of like Silicon Valley bits where it's very written, like it's very like trying to be comedy. It's not just like, oh, we'll just turn the camera on and hopefully someone's funny. That's getting old. Like I I love improv, but that's getting a little old. Um cuz it doesn't always hit, right. you know? Right, yeah. You can't rely on magic 24/7. Um so it's not afraid to tell like actual good jokes. And the reason I think season two is already better than season one is because the character jokes are kicking in now because uh, situational jokes are great because, you know, situational comedy is a whole genre, <laughs> but character jokes are jokes that you can only like, like if you know the character, well, it's a joke that's based on the character's point of view. You
0: know what I mean? And the world that they've established. Yeah, exactly. Just the fact that we have this, uh, the contrast of this class of this uh this group of people trying to be actors and you know not being the best at it and there's comedy that comes from that yeah and then there's like the harsh violence of barry's assassin life yeah i'm gonna talk
1: about that too actually um but but really quick uh character jokes can go wrong in a show like any chuck Lorre show think you know two and a half men that's only character jokes because it's all you know i'm a man whore I'm an I'm a nerd and I'm a kid who says bad words. All the jokes are based around that one joke of the character. But this show is perspective-based character jokes. It's a big difference. I don't want to get too <laughs> annoyingly in depth, but Hank. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, yeah. is I-
1: unbelievable so funny.
2: i was going to actually shout him out anthony kerrigan he is the mvp of this season so far yeah, yeah. that's what we said he's, last week he's just that first like, episode and then even more so in episode two the way that he is able to balance because i mean season one they almost they just played his like menacing look just as like a humorous thing that he's just like such like a flamboyant yeah. kind of a guy by, yeah by the way but, this,
1: this actor actually has alopecia in real life oh, he genuinely yeah. has no
2: hair that's why he looks so creepy Yeah <laughs> um, But now in like This season We're starting to see Kind of the darkness Of him That yeah He leads a Chechen mob Like mm-hmm. that's not something you just fuck around with And there's one moment Where he talks to Barry He's just like Look Barry like I'm not asking you. Like I'm telling yeah. you, you have to do this. Exactly. You're like, oh shit. So yeah, like, that's fuck. that's one reason he was menace. Monster. The menace yeah. is very Yeah, effective. they're giving him
1: depth and also his character jokes are working out because we actually know him. When we first met him, I wasn't really buying the character because he was starting off the bat with the silly jokes, and I was like, I don't know you yet. I don't he's know Really cartoony Yeah, yet. I was like, I don't know that you're a silly guy yet. So you can't make these jokes yet. But now that we know him, when he makes a perspective joke, I have an example even. Barry says, uh, it's not that bad of a spoiler but he's just like am i evil to hank and hank is like oh my god totally do i not tell you that enough like i'm so (laughs) (laughs) sorry yeah you're so evil like that's a character joke because it's his perspective
0: is that on the concept of evil yeah um but also we know that he wants to be barry's friend like yeah exactly he he, he doesn't look at his relationship with barry as like purely uh, transactional or professional he's like we're buds we're yeah. buds we're hanging out we're shooting people yeah it's cool
1: um and so that also leads into what you were saying with this juxtaposition of violence and comedy because the natural comparison there is tarantino stuff yeah that's his whole deal a lot of the time you know he can lean really more into drama. really
0: violent but somehow yeah. hilarious
1: i had uh years ago uh, this is a i hate to admit this on air but i did take an improv class mm. uh years ago this is past life <laughs> Uh, and I, th- my teacher, this this one time, he was like, he boiled down Tarantino's whole shtick. He was like, yeah, all he, he just has like Seinfeld dialogue next to violence. And it makes e- each thing work better because it's a shock when it switches from one to the other. Um, and I've never looked at Tarantino movies the same way. Right. <laughs> Some of them, you know, they obviously transcend that because it's brilliant filmmaking, etc. But... I think Barry's better than most Tarantino, actually, because it updates both of those things. Uh, The violence is better because it's not cool violence. Uh, Tarantino's violence is like almost glorifying violence. It's like, look at how much blood. Isn't this awesome? Exactly. It's like badass. It's like, hell yeah, I want to slice up a guy with a sword. Barry's violence is horrific. Like, it never depicts it in a good way. It depicts it in a way that is scarring these characters for Mm. life, which is uh, the right move. If the violence was gratuitous, then this would be just another like toxic masculinity yeah. So quote unquote, let's show. let's
0: slip a little bit into spoilers here. So if you really don't want to know any plot details, this is the time to either pause or skip forward. But that point is so true for the flashbacks that we get of his military life. Yes, oh my because God, there is no there's almost no comedy there and it works. It's not jarring because we get this true moment of like, pretty much PTSD that Barry is going yeah, through. Yeah, and
2: what makes it so much more effective is that, like, he kills a couple people, and, like, people there, like, cheering on they're like, yeah, you're a cold-blooded killer, man, you fucking did it, like... Yeah. And it's like, oh... Shit, like this, and that's actually how like military life is. Just like there's like shooting, like it's like people like with herding cows or something like that. Yeah, they're, yeah, like innocent civilians well, in the middle uh, east
0: sniping them
2: yeah. hundreds of yards away.
1: Yeah, I mean this sh- the show has a scathing critique of the military mm-hmm. in yeah. its DNA, definitely. <laughs> so <laughs>
2: like, one uh one other point that I wanted to make, so that we're dipping a little bit into spoilers, is one thing that I love about the show so much is that there are no two repetitive. There are never repetitive characters. Every character has their own thing yes and especially with um i'm blanking on his name but at the end of season one um the chechens team up with uh is it the bolivians yes and the bolivians leader he's like this like super charismatic kind of a guy that you know as like this darkness inside him because he's a mob boss and then we also have the introduction of esther this other like mob centered character oh yeah who at first i didn't really like her but now i'm kind of starting to come around to her she's something she like doesn't react at all she's so flat-faced that it's almost like kind of terrifying of like what she could do (laughs) oh i love her show i also
1: love the whole bolivian plot line like whenever when um we we first see anthony kerrigan in the season he's like narrating this letter he wrote back to the mob and he's like the Bolivian is like a Tony Robbins inspirational speaker but for like criminals (laughs) it's see that's like actual comedy like that's not like like oh let's just figure something out like that is a very like well-conceived big joke um and I this show like this tone could very easily not work that's why I love this show because this idea of like switching back and
0: forth so starkly that doesn't always go well, uh, but it goes. It always goes well. I would say it didn't go well in the first couple episodes. Yeah, well, they yeah. hadn't totally figured exactly. out the balance of
1: it. Yeah, there are times when it, it was stark.
0: Well, and I mean, they figured it out
1: now, and
2: mm-hmm. I we even talked about that during season one. That one of the problems was Bill Hader takes the fall for it is that he was doing so much with this show that he forgot to like all right, who is Barry? So <laughs> Barry is almost like a different character in some ways. Like yeah. he still was like finding his footing as the character. Cause he was like, well, I'm writing this show. I'm show running it. I'm going to direct the first yeah. few episodes. And he was like, Oh shit, I have to act in this. Oh team. yeah. Like I need well, to make a choice. And
1: in it, yeah. In addition to that and just figuring out the characters, uh, one thing, if you want to even out your tone and have a smooth running show, uh, get Hero Mirai involved, and it'll go yes. a lot. Yep. it'll go a lot better. It's he's for <laughs> he's an unbelievable filmmaker. Like he, his direction
0: is—you can feel it. You can feel the style of his filmmaking, and it's totally different from what he does in Atlanta. Because yep. oh, Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta has a lot of, uh, yeah, it just has this this kind of style to it. Because they're, it's not they're... as hyper stylized. Exactly. As yeah, Atlanta, like Atlanta is like is. art housey because yeah, they're trying to establish this otherworldly feel. Yeah, and with Barry, I. I I'm thinking uh, about the uh the scene with uh Sarah Goldberg uh her character what's mm. her name uh, uh the girl i forget I don't know. uh classic so, guys on a
1: podcast like <laughs> oh, what's that female character name i don't know well, anyway, the actress
0: Barry. the actress is, Sally. is yeah. yeah Sally uh, yeah i only Goldberg. know actor names so she has this subplot where she's actually starting to book some gigs and we see her meeting with some agents and yeah. going through the the real and they do these fake they oh. shot these fake shows and i'm sure mariah was involved with that they did for that didn't that remind you kind of of Atlantis tv parody yeah yeah, yeah it was yeah. so funny it's really and good not only does it touch on the um just the kind of hurdles that females have to go through and she has that sit down with her female agent that's like you just gotta play the game Yeah, but it also shows just like the experience of just trying to be a working actor yeah no Mm -hmm.
2: I love whenever they do that bit and my favorite one of the little clips that they show is it's um Somebody having a talk with, like, uh, the three other women, like, but you don't see them, and she's just like, you are a strong woman, like, you can actually get through this yourself. And they're like, come on in here, secretary. And then she's still just, like, a secretary in yeah. there. Like, she still can't actually get yeah. a, any kind of a significant role doing anything. <laughs> I, yeah. There's another part where she's, like, a Star Trek character, pretty much, and she's just layered in so much makeup, you can't even tell who she is. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it really touches on how difficult it is for, like, women to break through. Yeah. So the way that it's able to balance the tone of the show itself – and also make these statements on society yes. and Hollywood as a whole. Yeah,
1: and that's again, that's the other thing that elevates us over any of these uh, comedies that I'm talking about. Is the plot is extremely effortful on that side. It it doesn't stray away from being like s- full on tragic when getting into their careers because yeah. being an actor is a horrific. Uh, experience (laughs) like it's your job is going to job interviews
0: basically and the interview is just you acting right like that's a nightmare and also (laughs) i mean we got to touch on henry winkler too and how not only is he distraught with the the apparent pretty much death of his love but also just you can tell that this class is all he has Mm. and he's trying to channel this whole uh kind of bygone career that he never had and he, he talks to barry about like trying to do a, a a play that's his story and he wants to be really involved mm. in it i got tapes i got years of tapes uh,
1: well and- that's that's another i have another scene with him that i wanted to talk about uh, because another thing i love about the show is that it has a very like solid plot that's like traceable but it also has that old school film thing of like it unfolds like you don't know everything about the scene when it starts. Yeah, uh, the scene I'm talking about is when. You just see Henry Winkler going to a farmer's market. You don't know why he's oh, there. Yeah. He never the scene before in a lot of shows, he'd be like, I'm gonna go to the farmer's market to see my son. But we don't know that he's there for his son. He just shows up, he's looking at this guy, and you're like, what, do they have a relationship? He starts dropping all the food. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then the worker ad is like, Hey dad, and you're like, Whoa! Yeah. Like that's good uh writing and good filmmaking is like slowly letting it unravel. It doesn't have to be a total mystery, just little moments of like you're, a little bit of confusion elevate any tv show mm-hmm. i think
0: mm-hmm. yeah uh the last thing i wanted to touch on before we move on is this kind of development of the cop the old partner um pretty much figuring out that it's barry yeah or yeah he's at least like fully onto he's it he's very part.
2: like on the track and now i mean they flipped fuchs and yeah. Fuchs is now trying to bust Barry. Really that's like where that. we're left off on the end of episode 2 great and development I love the development and also like I was kind of I was missing F- as much as I loved the first episode of the show like I was like I want Fuchs to come back into, straight, into the fray I like really miss this guy and now it's after he was like willing to do anything for Barry, season one, seeing that kind of flip that he's been caught at this point, and, and Barry is has, him Barry has fucked bus. him over at this point that he's just like, all right, you know what? Fuck it, I'm just gonna yeah. I'm gonna take you down.
0: I can't I can't wait to keep seeing it. Uh, so what else we got? What Drew? else? What else do we got? Um, a few,
1: yeah. I watched a few movies today, or not today, but this week. Uh, Sex lies in videotape. Soderbergh right classic movie yeah like 1989 have you guys seen this
2: it's his first movie have you seen it Sundance
0: uh I read the script in one of my classes in college but I don't think I ever saw it you didn't I see I'm in the same class that you're talking about right
1: now (laughs) and I watched it and read the script whoa so 100 here I come 100% Uh, I only watch good movies if it's like mandatory right (laughs) otherwise (laughs) yeah otherwise it's trash but this was an amazing movie so yeah this is Soderbergh's directorial debut before this point he had been a cinematographer for other movies uh but he directed this and very notably he wrote it he never writes his movies um and I don't know why he doesn't because this script is outstandingly good like it's very simple uh kind of straightforward but it has all these little little details that add up to being like a well-polished script like you wouldn't think that this would be as it's first. james spader right so mm. yeah i was gonna say my my whole life I, I you know i haven't watched a lot of old movies i james spader has just been around mm-hmm. he was on the blacklist and i always just kind of laughed because in the commercials he would just have that hat on <laughs> and i'd be like why is james spader on my tv right now like go away <laughs> he was robert california never never was a huge fan of that Uh, Don't you keep forgetting? He was the voice of Ultron. Okay, (laughs) Ultron doesn't work (laughs) Mm -hmm. without Spader. Yes, Spader. He really brings a lot to Ultron. No, so I've always just kind of like uh, as an afterthought. In this movie, he's like putting on like an Oscar-worthy performance. Uh, He's in in like a supporting role, but he basically plays uh, a catalyst. Like he comes into this town and he upends this couple's relationship he like plants this seed of doubt in in her mind that like her husband is cheating because he is with her own sister um all the acting in is great andy mcdowell plays our leading lady um if you don't like movies where you don't like any of the characters then don't watch this because none of the characters are truly our surrogate andy mcdowell comes close but she is not fully like our our girl you know what i mean like all these characters have a lot of flaws uh, that happens to be my favorite kind of script. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Spader is like unbelievable because the whole thing hinges around him being like a fucking weirdo um, and like a creep, but you can't think he's too creepy um, because what he does is creepy. Like a little spoiler alert, but basically he he uh, voluntarily stopped having sex with women because he thought he was a bad guy. And so instead of doing that, he just interviews them on videotape about their sex life their entire sexual history yeah, I remember this. yeah and he has like videotapes of like dozens of women just talking about sex and he never bangs them <laughs> so like he's you know he's a creepy dude but he has to play it right on this line of like because the thing is the whole movie we have to be thinking well does this leading lady end up with james spader so if if he plays it but a little bit. not more, a romance well yeah that's the thing it's like a tragic thing but the whole movie hinges on him being, well damn, I don't know about that dude. But, you know, she could end up with him. And that's really hard. He's pulling off a really, really critical role here. This entire movie is great. It has the eighties, you know, and before feel of a movie where it really uh takes its time with its scenes. Um, the pacing of it is like if it's not that it goes slow, like it's not a drag, but just scenes play out extremely slowly, but in a way that is conducive to reality kind of like some some scenes in eighth grade have that feel Mm -hmm. where it's just like almost painfully slow you're like oh my god this is too real it's like too close to reality yeah you're like oh jesus christ um but yeah it's it's an awesome movie awesome script uh fascinating what year is it 90 something i think it's 89 89 it, oh, 89. it wow. has it just it has a lot to say about relationships and like the on un- the seedy underside of everybody's relationship that you don't want to think about not not necessarily just cheating but just all the little incompatibilities that you just kind of bury in your mind
0: and he gets them to talk about it all
1: yeah it's it's an awesome movie uh it- like i can't I can't uh, Soderbergh. Yeah. I, I highly recommend it. I it think... is
2: odd that he doesn't. He did a lot more writing earlier in his career, but the last movie of his like feature length, he's done a couple shorts, shorts, um, but the last feature length movie that he wrote and directed was Solaris back in 2002. Ooh, Clooney. Weird. Yeah. Um, there are theories that
1: um, Logan Lucky was written under a pseudonym by yeah, him. That's what I was about yeah. to say. Yeah. Uh, but there are also theories that his wife wrote that actually under a pseudonym. Anyway. Uh, I highly recommend this if you want to watch a good throwback movie. Really, really solid.
0: Sex, Lies, and Videotape.
1: Yeah. Um. And then uh, to juxtapose that, like I said, <laughs> I had to watch that. I, I hated watching a good movie. It sucks. Um, so your parabola here. Well... I, we, we need to talk about the parabola because <laughs> the parabola is broken the i'm it's all yeah i'm in a spiral of self-doubt right now about my parabola of watchability uh because i watched noah centineo's new vehicle on netflix oh no it's called the perfect date so if you don't know what you should i if don't you know if you're a fan of like art house cinema you got to know the name noah centineo <laughs> He's Essentially, he was, he's was he been on an ABC family show called The Fosters for, like, four years. So he built up, like, a fan base of, like, you know, young girls who think he's a hunk. Uh, and last year, he exploded onto the Netflix scene. He became their guy, like, their teen heartthrob uh, because he he had, a, like, co-starring or supporting roles in um, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which was a huge hit for Netflix. It's based on a very popular book. Uh, and then also another one sierra burgess is a loser um and he played you know he he's a very convincing like hot high school dude in both of these movies i only saw um i did see to all the boys i love before i didn't see the other one how is it it's actually like if you want to watch like a schlockier like a teen high school movie with a modern feel to it it's it's not bad like it's not a great movie of course. Uh, but it's a lot better than most of the other like
2: thirteen Reasons Why type shit that you'll find yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, it's I've, it's better than those. I've always heard a lot of good things that like as far as teen movies go, that this is one of the better ones in the last yeah, few years. I
1: would definitely agree with that. They're making a sequel, uh, without Noah, and the fans are
0: outraged. Oh <laughs> shit! This um, dude signed he was up too to... busy
2: making uh the perfect date.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I was gonna say he signed up to to be a a co lead of charlie's angels
1: yeah he i mean the remake this dude is yeah he exploded onto the scene last year like he's a full-blown uh, star at this point like we, everyone knows his name and it was like overnight because netflix netflix is the only thing that can make an overnight star still nowadays uh and he was charming in that movie he was very charming, and he he played like a jockish guy who uh he, he fake dates this like nerdy girl because they both want to trick other people into thinking they're dating to make them jealous. Uh, You know, pretty classic, like nineties, uh, rom-com right. style premise. It was, you know, it's fine. It's a fine movie. Uh, this movie is one of the worst movies I've seen ever in my life. <laughs> uh, the, the perfect date, essentially what I'm trying to think of another example, but sometimes a character will play a role and the studio will be like, all right, we're going to pump out another movie where you're just doing the exact same shit again and it's going to be way worse but because you're doing the same role people are going to watch it mm-hmm. because they took that premise of uh, noah is your fake boyfriend and they just turned that into a movie where he he plays this fundamentally flawed character where he's he, noah Centineo is like a jockish hunky looking guy and he plays like this entrepreneurial high school kid who has one friend and is somehow an outcast even though he's noah Centineo. And he invents an app to uh, book fake dates for girls who want to make their boyfriends jealous.
0: Oh, no. It is
1: one of – it's fundamentally flawed because, A, he can't – he has to play a jock. I'm sorry. He can't be a guy with one friend. He's Noah Centineo. Like, it's a joke. Um, and, B, we can't relate to this character. It's not just like, oh, yeah, you know how you're just, like, in high school and you're, like, starting businesses so you can get into Yale? Not it doesn't work. You know you know computers. You yeah, know code. it's it's all awful. And the movie the pacing is all. It just starts. The plot starts within like like three minutes. Like the plot is in full force. It like it doesn't. It's like you don't need to meet anybody. Like just go, just go. Um, horrible pacing. Uh, it's like re- really short to the point that like you don't feel like anything at all happened in the entire movie. Like I'm a fan of short movies. This is too short. Uh, it's like probably eighty five minutes. Uh, and. I'm very sorry, Noah. Like, he did get fucked by Netflix because they gave him a horrible movie. But I was kind of getting vibes that I got. Remember when I saw Mission Impossible Fallout and I was talking about Cavill, And I was like, I, I just had this feeling that something was a little off about his face. It wasn't anything big. Like, he's still a really attractive dude. But with these, like, really hunky dudes who bank on being a 10 you know if if one of their eyes like sinks, <laughs> yeah, a, if sinks a little bit if they're bit, a bad actor then yeah. they have a very short shelf life yeah I or mean, if, yeah or if their jaw gets a little bit smaller for whatever reason like all of a sudden you're looking at less roles i right. and there were some shots in this uh my girlfriend allison also picked up on this she was like what happened to him it's only been a year but he looks different uh just
0: compared to how he looked in to all the boys yeah
1: so like he's i mean just based on his uh, star power and like his social following and everything. He's booked for the next couple years. Like he'll be in stuff, but past that, I don't know. He might have an expiration date. Yikes. It's, so, uh, you know
2: how I know that I'm out on this movie? Well, everything about it? <laughs> well, because the character's name is Brooks Radigan. That's one of the worst <laughs> fictional names I've ever heard in my life. Brooks Radigan. Well, it, it would work for like. A preppy
1: like villain character yeah like, i don't i already don't like him yeah his and, name is fucking brooks radigan and the thing is like all of these movies exist kind of as fantasy for people who are not in high school yet any high, like even mean girls it's for people in middle school to be like damn that's what high school is like yeah. definitely <laughs> so like it makes sense that it's all like wrong like n- high school is yeah, nothing see, like we this. had
0: high school musical which was like, exactly what high yeah, that, like. yeah yeah
2: yeah we got the real shit. Yeah, it's the only, like, down-to-earth But school They don't, but, I school mean, don't know. Yeah. I mean, to that point, though, <laughs> Netflix has cornered this market on teen movies. Like, yeah. it, movies like, like this just don't get make get don't get wide releases anymore I know and unless it's something like book smart or something like that that's coming out soon that's going to be like uh, at least a mid-budget kind of a thing yeah but yeah that's not even the children even rom-coms and stuff like that are kind of dying in society yeah like at least for because they don't make as much money as they used to and you could just put out like how to lose a guy in 10 days through Matthew McConaughey in there <laughs>
1: yeah and just have him lean against a woman in the in the poster for and the movie. people
2: are like I'm in take all of my money <laughs> yeah Right now. I'm in. Kate Hudson? Yeah, she's in. And okay. so, I mean, it's kind of smart for them because I know that there's... I looked on Letterboxd and there are plenty of people who, like, absolutely love this movie that are, like, probably younger. They're just like, dude, he's just... Noah's so hot. Well, that's... And...
1: The thing is, like, even as a guilty pleasure, this fails. This is why my parabola is in shambles right now. I'm, like, furiously scribbling on a notepad, as, on graph paper <laughs> yeah. as we speak. I... It goes, it goes into the negative. Yeah, so. I mean, there are outliers to any formula, you know. Right. I know math, mm-hmm. but this movie is a one so by my formula it should be an eight in terms of watchability this in terms of watchability it's also like a, it's like a two it's like you're dividing by zero yeah there it's were moments error, there error. yeah there were moments yeah yeah my i put it in my calculator and it, it it didn't work uh there are moments of like great laughability because this movie gets like little things wrong like the room style like poor like just execution errors where like
0: like the lighting and the or the like
1: sets. no yeah Noah there's a moment where Noah is talking to his dad he's like you know why don't you clean up this place it's a mess and then it's like a wide shot and it's like a clean ass house like they didn't think to like just put like a sock on the ground or something like and it's not played as a joke it's just like yeah I know it's dirty in here it's like that's. That's really, like, basic shit that they messed up. That's why I think this whole movie was a rush job. They were just like, all right, Centineo, uh just give the same plot and just, like, go, 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 make it right now while he's bankable. Um, another thing that happens is th- there's a car scene where they use ADR, which is, if you don't know, that's when they record the lines to dub over uh, the audio in post uh, to fix, like, you know, just for editing purposes. But usually that's done in, like, over-the-shoulder shots, ADR so that you don't see their mouth moving, right? Or they just match up the mouth moving very well. They're in this car like singing a song that's playing, and it's not. They're not singing that song. They're just like saying random words <laughs> with their mouth, and you can see it. Oh, it's no. like a com. Like it's like a. Like mess. they just
0: shot in. They were like just, just do anything we don't know what song we're gonna yeah, put like, here yet just I mean, like really just make it up basic x's and o's of making a movie like they
1: really drop the ball in every way so watch it highly recommend. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. just it,
2: this'll pull you in just this well, tagline no, right it, here. i just
1: well i wanted to tell people because if you want like a guilty pleasure teen movie you might like uh to all the boys i've loved before it's it's just better in every way and it's still like you know i would still give it, like a six maybe seven if i'm generous mm-hmm. but this is worse in every way don't even start it don't just don't don't do it
2: i did it so you don't have to what's you're the, welcome what's the tagline so the uh, tagline is he's whoever you want him to be but then the that's description <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's really scary the description is no boo no problem <laughs> it's oh, just no
0: like that's the that's algorithm the coming alive yeah no boot no problem <laughs> boop, boop beep, That's probably it. Yeah, this movie was just like <laughs> shot and written
1: by computers. Yeah. Like it's all not real. It's insane. It's fun. It's like, Chris Nelson who directed this. Is he even a real person? No, it's, is my question. Yeah, It's a pseudonym is for he... Watson, the IBM computer that won Jeopardy. <laughs> it, It's insane. Uh, Like, fundamentally, think of a movie like She's All That. Have you guys seen that? It's a classic 90s rom-com. Freddie Prince Cross
0: cross dress.
1: So that movie exists as a fantasy. Oh, wait. I'm
0: thinking of She's the
1: Man. No, yeah. She's All That is Freddie Prince asks this girl out as a dare to be like, hey, ask the weird girl out. And then she, like, puts her hair down and he's like, whoa, actually, I'm in love with you. And then she finds out that he did it as a dare, and she's like, actually, I don't love you now. And then they end up together. Like, that's most movies Mm -hmm. follow something just like that. But it works because it's like our protagonist is this relatable girl, really, and also Freddie, who is a jock. But there's no one of that nature in this. You don't relate to the weird girl because she's a bitch, and everybody's rich in this movie. That's another problem. And you don't relate to him because he's like this weird Steve Jobs, like, sociopath. Like... There's nothing good about it. I'm done. All so, right. um, Stop thing, the clock.
2: <laughs> so I just want to bring up, like, ding, ding, ding. the guy who wrote this, Steve Bloom, he was a writer on James and the Giant Peach. So, like, he's written, like, a good movie before. <laughs> Maybe they just paid him for a script that he, wrote, he already a, had. He wrote for a Rob Reiner movie, too, The Sure Thing. Don't know and about that. And I just... I, I it's, don't know what I happened. I mean, it's, I think it what really happened? I think it's just
1: a rush job. Some movies the time frame of them is like they just have 2 weeks to make a movie and mm-hmm, it you mm-hmm. just can't do
0: it. Right. So, I'm unless sorry. you're Harmony Corinne. Oh. in
2: South Beach, Miami. Hey. So, man, look at that transition. <laughs> so, just go ahead, listeners, go ahead and cave out a solid like 45 minutes for the next segment here. This past week, I saw The Beach Bum. Um Starring Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey, as well as a like slew of other celebrities yeah. making Snoop varying Dog, uh, performances. Jonah Hill, Zach Genoil, Efron. Ila Fisher. Um, Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> throw him in there. What? Fuck it, <laughs> Martin Lawrence. Jimmy Buffett as himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Guys, this movie is amazing. Wow. I love this movie. I'm still trying to come so, to terms with my feelings I love on it. this movie. so. This is my favorite movie of the year so oh, far, wow. and not even in an ironic kind of a way or anything else like that. So Harmony Corrine made Spring Breakers. He made yes. Spring Breakers. He also made a movie called Gummo. Yeah, which is like a legendary weird movie. Yeah, like so fucking weird. I've never seen Spring Breakers, but um, Beach Bump, it just like... When you talk about somebody who, like, has a feel for tone, that's mm-hmm. Harmony Korine. There's so many points in this movie where it could have become super dramatic. There is a death of a major character that happens in this movie, and it never becomes, like, gloomy or anything else like that. Right whenever you think that things are going to take a turn, they go to a rehab center, and Zach Ephron is there. Zach Efron... <laughs> Is rocking the weirdest beard that I've ever seen oh, in my yeah, life. The panini, yeah, the, the Panini panini beard. panini beard. Yeah. And he's he's wearing a jean jacket that says prayer warrior. He's the son of a preacher. And he was in a creed Wait, cover pants.
0: band. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> so I just wanted to mention his pants. He's wearing like parachute denim. <laughs> like parachute jeans. And uh let's let's touch on this creed here. Because he they're at rehab, right? So they can't like smoke or drink or do anything. But Zach Efron is getting his high from blasting higher by Creed <laughs> yeah. full volume. And he's
2: likes too much. And he's
0: like, this is metal.
2: And then Matthew McConaughey is just sitting there like, yeah, man, this is good music. Yeah. Okay. It's... This is as good as McConaughey gets. Like, I don't give a shit about the, like, Oscar type performances. Like, this is where McConaughey thrives. Mm. Whenever it's like, this is. Like, if you think about his character from Dazed and Confused, this is the next logical step for his character. He basically is taking that character and is like, what if we age this dude up, like, 15, 20 years? He would just be, like, a bum in, like, Miami, Key West area. This is the ultimate ad for, like, Florida in Miami. Like, I'm just like, goddamn. Okay, a few points on that. Link
0: later is famously on the the path of just like having this breezy realism where it's just like slice of life nothing really happens in this movie things happen and yeah you could say that he's like this easygoing sort of stoner guy but i would actually go a lot farther because harmony corinne is so removed from realism that moondog uh, uh, yeah, we need to mention,
2: his name is fucking Moondog. Just, so no, you're saying that
0: we're removed from realism yeah. with the character So yeah. his Moondog. name is Moondog, and he's not – this guy is like a magical creature. Like you, this,
2: movie, He's literally a Greek god. This <laughs> like... movie
0: is like – it's like a folklore tale. It's like a fairy tale. It's like a modern fairy tale, and Moondog is just this like mythical, mystical creature who's so... just – He's our... Swimming through life. He's our Odysseus. Yes! No, not even... It's not even a lie, dude. Like, that's really what it is. It's like a modern, fully... A modern epic. out Odyssey. Like, that's exactly what it is, because there's a moment in the beginning of this movie where mcconaughey moondog is hanging out in the keys just getting super faded super drunk and high and his wife calls him and she's like honey you got to come home you got to come home to miami he just hops on on a little on a little raft and just is in miami like we don't see a a trek from key west to miami listeners if you don't know that's a long drive (laughs) yeah that's a long drive but to moondog he just gets in a boat (laughs) <laughs> and he's just there and he arrives at his beautiful Miami beachside mansion mm-hmm. and he just pulls up to the dock and his beautiful wife is waiting there in lingerie just ready for him to come home are you gonna, so, are you
1: going to publish like an article uh drawing parallels for every
2: character to like a greek mythology
1: character i'm sure there so, could
2: be so i was trying to look it up um some of the exact verses uh but we should also mention Moondog is an acclaimed poet. Yes. Mm. He is one of the greatest poets of our time. Everybody always tells him that he had so much potential and that he's just kind of a bum and like there are certain moments where you hear his poetry and it's some of it's like some of the hardest that I've ever laughed in my life. Because it's like he's supposed to be this like stoic poet. He's like award winning and all this kinda of stuff. He's just like the way I went down on you on the beach in the sunrise. And I could taste your <laughs> clitoris. Oh. It's—he's <laughs> like—and people are like applauding him, like, "Yes, or, this is art." Okay.
0: <laughs> Spoiler alert! I just want to m- mention this while I, we're talking about it he wins the Pulitzer Prize yes, for poetry, poetry in this movie. I'm sorry if I spoiled that
2: for you and you didn't want to know, so but this I, did, is, I did give you an This is an not a movie about any kind of but, plot. This is a movie about just like the tone and the experience of he, watching this. I was in
0: disbelief. I, at that point, I was just like, just let this movie happen to me. He mm. goes on stage, accepts the Pulitzer, and he's like, this next piece is about how I went. Or he starts reading his poetry and he's like, I went to the bathroom to pee, and I looked down at my penis, and I thought about how I had already been inside of you twice today, and I felt loved. Wow. I'm paraphrasing there. But that's about that what sounds, it is. It's beautiful the way you said it. I, love, like, I like it like that. But this movie, it just it goes through. It, there's all these vignettes. You meet these characters that may or may not pop up, pop up again. Could you say it's sort of a Forrest Gump on ketamine style yes movie. it's more yes. No, it's more of <laughs> i wouldn't say ketamine because <laughs> moondog is very much like very drunk and high he's not like on on um maybe uh horse tranquilizer. maybe on like oxy. Yeah. no
2: it's like yeah he's got a little bit oxys. too much well i mean there is one point there's where there's so smoke, much weed they there's smoke so with snoop dog which they were definitely smoking on the set without yeah, a doubt no question. you could just like tell that they're because it's snoop Dogg's there and jimmy buffett and they're just like passing around jays just like casually in the background of some scenes yeah. and you're like Snoop yeah, they're Dog, just getting high. Snoop like Dogg is not
0: going to smoke a prop blunt, or yeah, a no. prop joint. No One way. of
2: my uh, favorite characters that's in this movie is one of because Snoop Dogg is Jamaican and he regularly takes trips to Jamaica to uh, get weed. And he has a pilot who's this like 85 year old man who has full glaucoma in both eyes. And he smokes like this, he smokes this joint. That he has, that's like about a foot long, and about like it's fatter than your arm. Like picture like your calf size, and he's just like sitting there chewing. He's just like, when I smoke weed, I can see everything so clearly. Oh my God. He's ninety eight
0: percent blind. It is,
2: All right. it is <laughs> so recommend. Yes. Uh, wholeheartedly well, so martin lawrence also we even talk about him he has a great i don't want to spoil his character because yeah, he, that is a, he's a great bit okay. that happens with him. what i will
0: say is he's this like boat captain who has unassuming tourists come with him on his janky little boat to come pet the dolphins
2: uh, <laughs> he's only had four deaths in four years so that's that's a good that's good okay good i'm I'm, I'm like i'm
0: in i don't even want to hear anything okay. else i just want to watch it we've been we've been jumping around a lot but i want to kind of focus back in because i just want to say that this i haven't seen a lot of harmony corinne's movies the only one i've seen is spring breakers but so much of spring breakers is borderline like incomprehensible because uh uh, harmony corinne's style is that he works with a lot of montages there's a lot of music and a lot of like flowing shots that there's not a lot to ground the story in a traditional sense of like dialogue and 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 you know conventional scene construction uh it's very fluid but beach bum is the most accessible movie that i've seen of his uh i well i guess just compared to spring breakers so much of spring breakers I'm assuming breakers,
2: that's more accessible than gummo but yeah, spr- also gummo you can't find anywhere too so that
0: yeah so much of spring breakers is just like really hazy hazy like you just feel like you're in a trance and there's a lot of that in beach bum where you're just like you feel like you're in this haze and i honestly i went through a lot of uh emotions like mental feelings about this movie throughout at first i was just thinking like i don't like this character he's a piece of shit he's an alcoholic he's a drug addict i don't care about his story or his journey he's horrible he's horrible careless scum scum of the earth type guy by the middle of the movie i was like all right i'm really digging this i'm really vibing with this story and how weird it is but i kind of wish that it was a little bit more straightforward because it is so kind of hazy and you just feel like you are kind of high and you're not like fully focused on what's happening but by the end of the movie i was i was just so kind of Fully on board with not knowing what was going to happen next and seeing Moondog go through this whole fucking weird journey of it, something that is just so removed from reality. Like, this movie does not, it does not concern itself with giving you something like raw and emotional. It's just like, let's show this guy being in a perpetual sense of being fucked up. Well, and okay. Moon Dog is never hung over. He is always fucked up. He never feels the repercussions of any of the stuff he does. And
2: that's why I love this movie is that it never like I said that it never really gets dramatic or anything else like that. And I just I kind of love how light hearted like a movie like this is. it's not trying to make an at first, I really thought that the movie was going to reach a point where it was going to make like a negative statement of like a warning just like don't end up like Moondog but right. instead Moondog is almost like something to be praised and like you can't just be like Moondog because there is nothing else like Moondog. Think... Moondog is so surreal and a lot of it is credit to Harmony Corinne because he does like some weird editing tricks and stuff like that where you're like kind of like chopped around in a scene and everything else and yeah. it really does give you that sensation where you almost feel like you're high watching it. Yes. Like, it's very disorienting and delirious. Uh, I will say, though,
0: I think there is a point to the movie. I think he, there is a message there. It's kind of muddled because of how kind of weird the movie is, but I think he is trying to make a little bit of a dig at um, the what we deem to be this prestigious lifestyle. You know, I think he oh, yeah. he's trying to dig at a couple different things, but he is trying to make fun of just that that the type of people that live in South Beach in full luxury Massive mansions Excess All of that Well
2: it becomes more of a statement I mean there is a little bit of an indictment on Moondog But also with the Isla uh, Isla Fisher character And with Snoop Dogg That they just have these Giant fucking mansions That they're just like Yeah we can just have like These big ass fucking parties there Everybody's just fucking each other It's all fine Like this is all just a thing And then like there are all characters who are like They would just be like Archetype tropes but something about the writing elevates. Like uh, Jonah Hill's character. Oh, my God. He's so as, funny. As okay. a poetry you, you producer. Guys, you guys have to stop. No, I know. It's just... I.
0: Just, this movie is just... His it's, choice with the way he delivered his lines,
2: I was so on board like with It's like Academy that. Award worthy. Like, just because he makes a choice, and I was just all in on every one of his yeah, scenes. Yeah, it's
0: like that's not a person. Like, nobody would talk like that, but it just works for this movie. Right. It just works. Uh, I... I want to watch it yeah I no, caught the last showing of it in Yeah Orlando, that's so you're the problem It's, it's we hard really, to track down We
2: really should have hopped on this movie earlier I would have rather watched this than Dumbo Or any of the other shit films that we reviewed Listen recently. man you got If Dumbo's in theaters you gotta watch
1: Dumbo yeah. yeah. What what can I say we're
2: a film podcast
0: I When I went to see Beach Bump there was only one Other person in the theater So it was just <laughs> me and one guy It hey, wasn't <laughs> Matthew McConaughey
2: <laughs> He's like this movie is not doing good He's like damn right, I didn't right, know they right. were filming me
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh,
2: let me breeze
0: through my stuff because we're already almost at an hour in, um, and then we can wrap it up. All right, so I watched the first episode of season two of Killing Eve. The show's back. Um, how how is it pick up? It's it's uh it's heading in this interesting direction where season one was all about getting these two characters Eve and Villanelle to- uh, um, together. That's her name, right? Villeneuve. Villanelle. Villanelle. Villanelle getting them together and sort of that chase cat and mouse yeah you know criminal and cops sort of deal mm-hmm. but now that they did meet at the end and how that left off it puts the show in an interesting place where like how much can you mine this story yeah well how can you rearrange things how can you sort of build a more engaging interesting story that grows and evolves now that that sort of thing has been exhausted and yeah. what they're doing is they're doing two things they're making it so they're exploring this obsessive nature that they have with each other how they're it's not just that they're into each other or that they're yeah. in love or that they fancy each other or anything like that it's this strange like really obsessive thing where yeah. they just can't help but to constantly be thinking about yeah. the well, other
1: this this concept is getting more and more play in movies and TV of like you you know the classic example is Batman and the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. How Batman needs the Joker to just to function. He needs
2: villains. That's like something that's perfectly played with in the Lego Batman movie and one of the reasons why I love that movie is because it actually like it reaches that point where they're like oh shit yeah we do kind of needy stuff. So this this takes it a step farther. Well
0: at least in this first episode it honestly is more interesting than something like Batman because Batman is all about like these broader Strokes about. Yeah, I mean, it's a fucking hero movie. Yeah, this is like an. Uh, obviously, the character of Bruce Wayne is a great character, but at least what Sandra O oh is doing with Eve, there is this. The way she plays it is like you can tell that she really is kind of like showing signs of uh of being an addict of being like, horny like for
1: villanelle not just also. horny
0: but there is this obsessive compulsive nature to the way she's behaving where oh she's, yeah she's having like withdrawals and like she's freaked out about how much this woman is consuming her life uh and then villanelle we get more uh, kind of groundwork about how evil she is and, and the horrible things she's willing to do.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a great dynamic. The show in general is more about its characters' relationships. Ding dong, uh, ding dong. We, we should have, pause. We have someone at the door. Oh, yeah. This is a segment.
0: Okay, so where were we? Killing Eve? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, great show. Season two, excited. Renewed for season three. Um, Hoping it maintains its quality because I, I really, really dig it. Uh, last couple things before we wrap up. Fosse Verdon on FX is the show about the true story of Mr. Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon. A Bob Fosse, famous director, choreographer of both stage and screen, and it's kind of this um, common tale of the tortured artist and the 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 abusive. Uh, hero and, and you know the the thing that uh, Bojack makes fun of that all prestige shows yeah, yeah, is yeah. but this, this version not only is it a true story about a real life guy but it's done in this really stylistic theatrical jazzy way that just exudes the style that Bob Fosse was known for and the mm. precision that he demanded from his dancers and from his crew on all of these projects so I've only seen the first episode, which covers um, kind of like the 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 time in his career where he really started to ascend. I mean, he was already a, a successful um, director, but this is this first episode is like when he makes Cabaret, uh, which became a huge hit. Yeah. Liza Minnelli, um, it won like eight Oscars or something. But Sam Rockwell's performance as Bob Fosse and Michelle Williams' performance as Gwen Verdon are what I'm here for because they're both phenomenal. So good. And just the style, the editing, the shot composition, all of the set design is so Um, intricate, precise, detail-oriented. Where is this available? FX. Okay. Oh, that reminds me. That was another thing that I was going to talk about. So – my parents canceled their Xfinity account, which no. was what I was bumming uh, all of yeah. my TV watching on. And I was also bumming off of your parents, <laughs> so yeah. Listen, I can give you my parents. I guess. All right, we could we <laughs> can make a deal. But see, I was thinking because I I really enjoyed my time with uh, PlayStation View when I did my quick yeah. free trial for the Oscars. Same. And me. I was thinking like, okay, is it worth it to pay the forty five bucks a month for this if I'm only going to be watching really Killing Eve and fosse Verdon, right, as of now. There might be other things that'll come up on my radar um, as the, the year goes on. So far, I don't regret the decision because these two shows are pretty fucking good. Well, and I, see, yeah. I, I called
1: everything that's happening now. I called this like over a year ago on the pod about how we're going to end up paying what we paid for cable anyway, just right. with all the different yeah, because I mean,
2: l- like, I've been on that Hulu Live TV thing because yeah. they have. Both like on demand for every channel. Like, I could watch, I saw Fossey Verdon after the first episode came on on like Tuesday last week. I saw that pop up on my feed. And I can have like on demand so I can, and uh, I mean, DVR so I can like record certain yep. things, live sports and everything else like that. Any movies
0: that come on? Yeah, on movies channels? that
2: are yeah, yeah, like, um, I just like, because you can kind of like select stuff that you're interested in. So I said that I liked Fincher. So it just recorded Gone Girl for oh, me wow. on my DVR. Damn! Mm. Yeah, oh. I don't.
0: I don't even know if PlayStation does that.
2: Yeah. So, um, to your point, okay. So, shout out to Hulu. Go ahead, register for Hulu Live TV right now. It's fifty five dollars. What? D- y- stop! And, stop um, doing this. Use promo code Wabam. It will give you an error code. It'll say that's yep. not a valid okay. Just promo Just ignore code. that. I Back was going to say, like, I'm not
1: seeing any money from this <laughs> promotion that you're doing.
2: Oh, I was seeing. It's like we get um, a hundredth of a penny per oh, use. That's good. Uh, all right, so let, let me
0: just wrap this up real quick. Um, the last thing I saw is this movie on Netflix called The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. It's the directorial debut of Mr. Chiwetel Ejiofor uh, of 12 Years yeah. a Slave yeah. and most notably of Doctor Strange
2: fame. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's what people know <laughs>
0: <from>. <laughs> And it, this is a true story of a boy who uh, in his village of Malawi saved his people from famine because of the drought that they were experiencing and they were unable to grow crops and he built this windmill out of like scraps of wood and metal to power a water pump to irrigate the crops of his of his uh village um it's a very very inspirational story that i feel like we should have more of i mean obviously it's a true story um, and just seeing that like holy crap this is a real thing this is somebody who really just with no resources was able to build this engineering feat out of nothing to then feed his people. It's an incredible true story. As a movie, though, it's, like, just okay, especially because it's called The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind and the logline, like, tells you what I just told you. And you know, obviously based on a true story, you know how it's going to go. You know that the ending of the movie is he builds the windmill, to power the water pump to right, feed his yeah. people so that being said the movie it, it, it doesn't structure its story well enough around the inevitability of that and the and and like selling this boy as being this engineering genius that was able to do this with like nothing the movie does a good job of like showing what it's like to live in this yeah. village of this 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 Malawian village in Africa, with nothing, with just fully yeah. poverty stricken government denying the reality of the poverty and the famine. Um. Uh, so Chiwetel, as a director, he does a good job of putting you in, in that place, and the acting is good. His acting, the w- the woman who plays his uh, wife acting, and the little boy, they all the acting all around is good. But I just I wanted a little bit more kind of emotional through line carrying you through so what would you give it
2: i i like a seven okay that's okay. not terrible So, um, Ch- chiwetel acts in this as yes, well he plays the how father is, because i mean this is his directorial debut how is the look of it like how does it's he do good. directing it
0: it's good like you really feel like you're there you really feel like they went okay. to a village and i mean i'm sure they did shoot it in africa you really feel like you're seeing the, these events really play out uh and, and the unrest of the people and kind of the desperation that they sink in when they literally have no food to eat. And there's this moment where he has to strip the metal off of his roof to go sell it just to eat. Like, he has to literally take the roof off of his house to go eat. Um, and there's there's good filmmaking, and, and the, he does a good job of, like, just putting you in this place. Uh, I just kind of wanted a little bit more... And the first half of the movie feels a little bit overlong, mm. just because it, it takes a little bit too long to actually get to when the shit hits the fan, of when like these people actually start going hungry. Wait, are we talking about Pet Cemetery? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 looking back, that it is there is a choice there of yeah. like making you m- making you sit with these people just like going on their their lives, their their, their everyday struggles before the the hunger and the yeah, famine yeah. hits. Uh, but structurally, I, I, I think Tell is a solid director. Good. This he... just being his first feature, there's a couple of things that like felt a little bit performative and yeah, unnecessary. Yeah. Did he write the screenplay for this? Yes.
1: Okay. Well, you, you made an interesting point about how we're getting more stories like this now about people in poverty. Mm-hmm. Like, not even necessarily foreign, like from foreign places. Right. Like, just generally more stories about people with nothing because when I was watching this fucking The Perfect Date. Like all I was thinking of, of was the privilege of every character because oh my god Noah well because Noah is playing like uh, the lower class guy he's yeah. an outsider because he goes to public school and he's talking about how his dad's like a bum uh, who used to be a writer or whatever and he's like yeah my dad just decided he was fine with being where he is and they live in like a nice house and he this kid owns a car yeah they have real problems yeah this kid yeah exactly so eventually that is gets like obviously there are plenty of great stories to be told about people with affluence but there are. Uh, A lot of untapped stories about people with nothing.
0: Well, yeah, this is the big reason why I even watched this movie and why I wanted to bring it up is because it's a true story. Like, this is a real thing that happened. This little 14 year old boy was going with one meal a day. His family was having to ration out one meal a day. They could not grow any food in their dry ass land. (laughs) And he built a fucking windmill. From scraps, yeah. That's there are a insane. lot of a lot of
1: stories come out about things like that now. I just saw one last week that was a similar deal happening in I think Kenya, uh, but yeah, I think overall, like I would rather see a seven that's about this type of thing than a
0: seven that's like a, a rich people rom com. Yeah. You know what I Something mean? Something
2: that you've seen a billion times. Yeah, we've before. just yeah exactly. If, anyth- if anything,
0: um, I mean, I recommend the movie. It's not bad. It's it's pretty it's pretty good. You know, it's it's a it's a really solid movie with a really Predictable but inspirational message hmm. but if you uh for some reason don't have netflix or don't want to dedicate the two hours to it uh the boy's name is william i just had it pulled up um william Kamkwamba. Mm. so he was from malawi and he built that in uh 2005 so there's plenty of youtube videos that you can look up of his story and he did like a little ted talk interview so it's it's a really great movie um true tell ford netflix the boy who harnessed the wind cool uh all right boys let's wrap
1: it up yeah i'm i'm getting fucking i'm starting to tweet because i haven't watched max keeble in several hours and
0: i need to see it again <laughs> you could uh you could follow us at we Bought a Mic uh twitter instagram um you guys twitter letterbox
2: yeah twitter letterbox hunt mobley um oh i'm working on a piece that i'm gonna put up this week on my website beach Bom? huntmobley.com no it's gonna be a piece about game of thrones and the death of monoculture okay Ooh. that's yeah big that's picture a kind of things yeah please
0: stay tuned to our bonus episode uh we're gonna be doing six episodes for the next six weeks the six final episodes of Game of All Thrones. Right. I'm, just me I'm, and Ernie, dream yeah. team. I mean, listen,
1: I'm going to pop in and I'm going to pop off. I think we're going. <laughs> we might have Harry on tonight. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you nice. might you might
0: be seeing some special guests. So. Um.
1: But yeah, I'm on Twitter at Drew Dietzen. Also letterboxed uh, Drew D. I just posted a quick little review there.
0: Uh, pet yeah. Cemetery, yeah that's yeah. the one yeah yeah, yeah check cemetery. out me uh, also on Letterboxd at Calderness I posted a review of Shazam oh. and Pet Cemetery and Beach Bum also uh, have you
2: a Beach Bum one not yet I did I'm, I'm still one.
0: figuring out my thoughts um,
1: 12 out of 10 <laughs> also follow I plugged it a few times but follow me on Spotify just like the same thing just search my name I think I'll pop up I have a lot of playlists I just made a new one that's uh, like a deep dive into 80s and 90s indie rock music uh, said that like a cop. <laughs> yeah. Indie rock music,
2: and music.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I,
0: I wanted to get deeper into that world, so I made a huge playlist. Uh, it's great, dope. I'm dope. great. All right, stick around. Uh, you'll be getting a commentary, special commentary episode of Max Ebel's big move in just a few days, uh, and also our Game of Thrones coverage. So thank you, thanks for li- thanks for listening, thanks for sticking around. We love you. Keep it with Bammy. Keep it real. Stay fresh.